Generally Speaking About the Church, podcast episode number 69. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of About the Church. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And my name is D.G. Hollins. And I'm glad to be back, Keith Rainey. All right, and so here we are once again in the studio. So glad that I'm not doing it solo today. (laughs) That didn't work out too well for you last week? It was a long episode, let's put it that way. (laughs) But I sure am glad to have you guys back in the studio with me, that's for sure. Good. You know, it's one thing to do like just normal podcasting uh, live and by yourself solo, but when it comes to talking of issues of faith and you have a live chat room who's responding to the things that you're saying <laughs> and you're like, okay, well, should I respond to what they've just chatted? And and it was, yeah, losing train of thought kind of deal. So <laughs> it you know, it was what it was, and here we are again once and, uh, with and now a panel this discussion. Is what it is. It is. It is. All right. <laughs> So what is this, DG? What are we talking about today, man? <laughs> well, um, I uh, the, one of the things that's been kind of like rolling around in my head lately, and this is just kind of thoughts I'd like to throw out and see if you guys agree or disagree with um, with how the church reacts to these kinds of things. But <clears throat> TED Conference, have you ever watched the TED Conference mm-hmm, stuff? Mm-hmm. And the most popular TED Conference one is the guy that's talking about how schools are killing creativity. Okay. I don't know if you've seen that one or not. No, I did not. It's awesome. I mean, it would be worth it for us just to press the play button on the TED Talk and everyone just watch it here. Uh, I'll see if I can find it and put it in the chat room while someone else is talking after I throw out the, the topic for tonight. Or All for right. Today. Um, but I, I, I like to tell people and challenge people, hey, exchange the word school with church and how, how is church killing creativity and is kill, is it killing creativity or something like that. But here's the thing. One of the things that he talks about was children. And he said, uh, if you ask children, a group of kids, a question that they probably would have no idea what the answer is, they always throw out answers. Okay. They, they don't care if they're wrong. They throw out those answers as, as much as, you know, as much as possible. And, uh, and they just keep on going. And uh, so I was at a, I was at a conference um, actually, it was just kind of a think tank brainstorming thing in uh, downtown Covington. And this guy was just asking everybody. He was he was wiping off the, the dry erase board, but he was talking about chalk, uh, chalk boards. And he said they used to actually train people. They used to train teachers to wipe off the chalkboard left to right. Yes. And, uh, and everyone in the room, and he asked everyone in the room, he said, does anyone know why they would do that? Because that helps them to read from left to right. No. Oh. No, but sorry, but, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so he, he says, you know, and and everyone in this room, there was about I don't know about twenty people in the room. No one answered, and then he even called one guy out and said, "Well, you used to be a teacher. Do you know why?" And the guy was like, "The guy's response was, I have my thoughts and opinions." <laughs> and he never said anything. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and and the guy was just like, "Where did we get? Where do we have this time in our lives where we start?" being so so afraid of failure and right. um, and I think that that is and, and he's saying that creativity could actually be encouraged if we weren't so f- afraid of failing okay. failing everywhere and and so my question to you is do you think that churches are afraid to fail um, in, in doing things differently and uniquely and things like that and how could we possibly be able to make that better hmm the answer is yes and by not 
being so afraid. No. Uh, seriously, though, I, I, I definitely see that. I, I see a lot of churches who, when you approach them with a different perspective or a different uh, way of doing things, a, a different approach, mm. um, or even something just just radically new, something that's never been tried before, um, it, it almost seems as there is an automatic knee-jerk reaction that the answer is no first, and right. then let's discuss why the answer is no. Versus what are – I've never really – it's very rare. I, never is a strong word. It's very rare that I've seen a church leadership or whatever approached with a brand new idea or a different approach and the answers were – and the response initially was, wow, this is exciting. Let's talk about all the possibilities. Right. When both – however, I've seen – I have seen both – both reactions, and I've seen churches try new things in spite of the fact that they might fail. But at least, the, but I agree that the initial reaction, a majority of the time, is let's think of all the reasons why this won't work first. And I don't know if that's just a church thing as as much as it is just a well. The, well, I guess the thing is, is my opinion is church are, churches are made up of individuals, so and right. including the leadership of the church. And I think it's just a, a, a human thing that, that sometimes when we're approached with something new, uh, as we're older, as we get older, we're, we tend to stick with what's comfortable. And so I think that that's actually more of a, of a human tendency versus a, a, something that's uh, basically uh, limited to the church. Okay. By the way, I put the, the, the Ted chat talk that I was talking about in the chat room there. Awesome. Anybody else have any thoughts on it? <laughs> no, I, I agree. I mean, I agree that it's a, an issue. Right. Well, I mean, whether it's a human issue or not, which I agree with you, it's a human issue, but shouldn't the church be dealing with that? <laughs> and how could we actually encourage churches? You know, like, for example, this is a, this is a great example that I, that I propose to United Methodists all over the place. And I basically tell them, listen, how we count in the world today and in, in, in Methodism today, we count, uh, well, I normally say butts and seats and money and offering plates, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And uh, and 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 also uh, conversions, and and that really does kind of only talk about what's going on right now and what's happened in the past. There is no future kind of dreaming stuff with that. I mean, that's really talking about you know what is and what if we actually added added to that? How, what if we started counting the possibility or the the um, the potential relationships that we have with normal people in our lives that that could be a member of this church or could be a you know a, a potential Christ follower uh, and if, what if we counted those because that would force us to be thinking towards the future and actually dream with God and actually force us to think about developing relationships with people and being missional and and things like that but instead we only talk about <laughs> what's going on right now. Which really is just a, a, a measurement of what's gone before and what's going on right now. So we'll do the like the salespeople do. We'll do a pipeline. What? Okay, explain a pi- that. A pipeline report. When you when you're in sales, you basically have a pipeline report that says, I have this lead, this lead, and this lead, and I pursued them to this amount, and this one's fifty percent likely, and this one's seventy yeah, percent likely. Yeah. And you, you turn that report in, and, and you base your your future work and your effort and everything on that. So we'll have a pipeline report. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I, that, one of the examples that I can give to you where you're talking about the butts and seat versus you know thinking about the potential as far as yeah. the success of where we're going as a church. 
<clears throat> was a, a church that I, w- I belonged to a long time ago. I won't mention any names of churches, but uh, we had... <laughs> Is it one we pray for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one you're not currently going to, but you're you're praying for. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> don't give me... Don't give me that. Let's just start coughing. Yeah, okay. So anyway, I recall a long time ago where I was a part of a church that was very traditional in its approach and that there were folks in this church who were testing out the waters of uh, cell cell groups. And Keith and I actually had a good conversation about what those are uh, two episodes back or a couple, at least a couple episodes back. Mm-hmm. And so, we, you know, there, this church was a trying to get uh, people to meet inside their homes and stuff like that. And this church had... I mean, it had, uh, I, I would say, what's uh, what would be an average small church attendance on a regu- any given Sunday. And, and it, I mean, it was pretty average. But the thing is, is there were not a whole lot of area physically for growth within that Sunday gathering, if you will. And there definitely wasn't any room for growth in, in as far as it, when it came to Sunday school classes or, or things of that nature. And so basically what was going on is there were several groups that were meeting in their in people's homes and a lot of people were coming to those but were not coming Sunday mornings. And I recall specifically uh being asked to put together the the list of Sunday school attendees and filling out these reports um when it was time to 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 report how well the church is doing for district and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> and well, we didn't have any numbers to give for adults in Sunday school. Yeah, it, I mean, th- th- there was there was one class of some older folks in our church that did get together, and they got counted and, and put on there. But there was absolutely no place. There was no um, official recognition given to anybody in that church who was participating in any way other than Sunday mornings worship attendance and a Sunday school class on Sunday morning at right. the at the now obviously. One way that churches could get around that in church in districts where they don't recognize anything other than those way of counting is to count those people who show up at a as, as at a home team or a Bible study group and just count that in Sunday school attendance because technically speaking that I, I think the philosophy is is that's where they're looking. But I agree with you that the issue is that sometimes we put church into a box of it's this this program this program this program. And then, and this is how we measure success. This is how we measure growth. And um, am I making sense? Yeah, yeah, I think you are. I think the one point I'd like to to bring up is that I don't know that it's the church per se that is afraid of failure. I think it's individuals that are afraid of failure. Right. Mm-hmm. I think in general, most people are afraid of failure to a degree that that causes them to pull back on their creativity. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to be creative, you're going to fail several times prior to the point of creating that one success. Right, right, sure. So you you get afraid of those failures, and therefore you don't produce the successes, and therefore you squelched even of yourself. You right. squelched the creativity. Exactly. And I think the church is, is really reflecting what is a part of, or at least has become a part of our human nature, which is to be afraid of failure. Now, I guess the question would be, why are we so afraid of failure? What is it that causes us, whether it be as an individual or a church, to be afraid of failure? Right. And and what's amazing is that when it comes to our participation in the church, coming together as the body of Christ, 
how many times that they the the Bible talks about fear is being something that that God deals with a lot in Scripture and the way that He gives commands to us. Do not be afraid. You've not been given the spirit of fear and timidity, but of boldness. Sure. And 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 so these are definitely things that uh, you know we do need to overcome. And I think it addressed in the church. Uh, yeah, sure. Robert in our chat room uh, posted something I'd like to bring up. He says, and this is just a quote of his, he says, I don't know if we can or quote-unquote should quantify how God is moving in people's lives. What do you guys think right. about that statement? I think he's absolutely on target. I, I don't think we – obviously we can't because we don't have all the variables. Because we're we not God? Right. Okay, to put it simply. <laughs> I, I think he was making that statement because of what you were saying with the tunnel. What would you say the, the business thing that you were saying? All the pipeline. The pipeline. Because yeah. uh, uh, the thing the reason he's saying is because you – you said we have all these number of people, but then you said we're fifty percent on this one. We're seventy five. Yeah, and there's a, so, definitely some sarcasm with right, that. Right, right. So yeah. take off the 50, fifty or seventy five. But I do think it's important to be able to say, hey, there are five friends of mine who who really hate the church or who really have no idea who God is. Let's count those people. You know, let's let's be able to say, let's encourage you to continue to intentionally develop a relationship with them. So that even if it's not ever a day that you ever say, you know, Jesus Christ is your Lord and personal Savior, but that when the feces hits the fan in their life, you can be able to surround them in love and Mm -hmm. and, and care for them and and things like that. And I I think that we're we're missing – and and one of them said – I think it's Professor A in the chat room was saying, you know, we're supposed to sow seed water and and, um, – where'd it go? Sow seed watering and tending – God values all these activities, not just the harvest. And I completely agree, but I do think that in, in over time, we've put too much emphasis on only two of those <laughs> or only one of those. And so I, I think that – I think it would be good and healthy for us to be able to to start thinking um, and start dreaming with God. Not even thinking. It really is just kind of dreaming and just kind of dreaming with God. I think we've kind of forgotten how to dream with God. I don't, I don't think there's any question cases. about that. I just read something in the book of Acts uh, – and it might seem like this is crazy that this would fit, but I was reading about where the church began to move into Antioch, and when things happened there, some prophets went down. And some of the prophets went down to the church, and they were there, and one of them prophesied oh, that there was oh, going to be— prophet. You're not talking money prophets. Yeah, prophet. Yeah, the other kind of prophets. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm Profitability sorry, I, of the church. That was too big of a joke for me to leave. <laughs> so many prophets went down. Yeah. Well, that's happening today. Yeah. <laughs> Time to have a budget meeting. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Maybe we need some prophets. <laughs> yeah. So and one of the prophets stood up in one of their gatherings and said that he, he prophesied that there would be a, um, a famine. And so what they did is they began to take up an offering. And they sent the offering to um, the Greek portion of the church mm-hmm. and prepared ahead of time for the famine. Now, how many times in your lifetime in the church – have you really experienced prophecy? Not very often. Yeah, not right. Often. Exactly. Uh, same thing with miracles. How many times have you experienced, other than you know, when you think about the miracle in Acts chapter three, where they're heading to church and there's the the lame man is there and he's asking for an offering and he and they, and they turn to him and say, "We don't have any silver and gold, but what we do have, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk." Right. Do you realize the risk that they put themselves at by saying stand up and walk? What if the guy just sat there? Yeah. Yeah. What if the prophet that I just talked about had prophesied and, hey, we didn't have a famine. We had a bountiful harvest. Mm -hmm. Because we're afraid. I I wonder how much our fear of failure impacts our doing some of these things that requires to step out on a limb. 
What are some th- what are some things, uh, DG? You, you had said you know maybe some suggestions on on what we could do. Obviously, um, is there any kind of thoughts in your mind as far as some suggestions, things that maybe churches should step out on faith on any any specific areas? Since uh, this has been something you've been thinking about. Yeah, I've just been thinking about that. It just in such a general understanding, I've never really kind of thought about. Hey, here's something to try. And I think the main reason I haven't ever done that is because it's going to be so location specific that they really need to wrestle with that to be able to figure out what is going to be, you know, what is God calling us as this faith community to be able to do for our community and for the people that are in our lives and things like that. I mean, <clears throat> ultimately, the the one thing that that uh, that the Waters does, the church plant that I'm doing in, in Florence, the one of the churches that support us, is we're encouraging people, hey, bless at least three people a week, and and. That blessing can be anything you want, and that's at least, you know, if you want to do 15 people a day, go for it. But the purpose of that is for you to intentionally develop a relationship. It's not random acts of kindness. And, uh, and I think that's one really simple, tiny thing that people can be able to grasp that says, okay, I can send a letter to someone letting them know I appreciate them, and I can send them an email, or I can pull them aside and say, wow, that presentation you did was great. You know, thanks for putting the time and effort into it. You know, just encouragement and, and, and blessing people at whatever that would look like. I think that's a great, simple, easy thing that people could be able to to, to start living living into and make it a practice in their lives. And if you had a whole church that did that, it's, this, this is what I love to tell Florence. Uh, wouldn't it be great that we stopped becoming the church that's behind McDonald's? <laughs> because right now that's how people know us. Oh, yeah, you're the church on US 42 that's behind McDonald's. And I just tell people in Florence, I say, wouldn't it be great if people say, oh, that's the church that blesses people? Right. I said, wouldn't you want to be much rather be known <laughs> as a church who loves or the church who blesses instead of, oh, the location of some building? <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I, that's, that is something I would love to encourage the people that are listening to this to dream with us. Send us voicemail. Send us uh, email and let us know, hey, what are some thoughts that you guys might have? Have you, uh, about doing things differently and think things differently. How and and also perhaps maybe this would be a, something that would generate some feedback as well on our on our listener line is maybe you have an experience in your past where maybe your church had been approached or you have even approached your church leadership with the idea of a new ministry possibility or a new project or a new something and mm-hmm. it was just shot down without any real concern for you know, at least what in your mind was a, as a good idea to at least consider. I, I'd like mm. to hear what some of those things yeah, are and, and to, to ponder that as well. But what what's at the root? What is at the root of being afraid to fail? I believe it's ego. I believe it's ego and very a close cousin, the self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because... We don't want that embarrassment. We don't want that mark against us, et cetera, mm-hmm. because we're, we, that's what causes us to fear the failure. And the reality is in a relationship with Christ, an ego that is unhealthy in that regard, there's no room for it in a relationship with Christ. Right. <laughs> it, it just doesn't belong because we, we, we talk about being Christ-like, and right. he was anything but Egocentric. He was anything but self-centered. Right. So, what do we do? Do we address that ego issue? And you know, I think about the task there, or the the things that you talked about. You're encouraging people to do. Mm-hmm. Those are very selfless things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or at least they should be. Now. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. yeah. I, I preached recently on a, the idea that how many of us have ever done something <laughs> nice for someone, 
with a thought in our head that said, I'm going to get some praise for this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. get some kudos for one, this one. Yeah, one example of that that I love to share with people, a lot of people say, well, DJ, what's the answer? What do I do? And I, usually my answer is food. Uh, that's always a great answer for me because because <laughs> you because, like food. Well, because if you eat with people, then you're going to have conversations. Those Absolutely. conversations are going to yeah. develop into relationships, and that relationship is going to be in community. And so I, I literally tell everybody almost all the times, other than the word Jesus in the name of Jesus, food will probably. Be the that's right. And there's a reason why Christ chose it for communion and and to remember right. the Passover and, and everything else. But um, but but I know a lot of people that they'll, they'll go to like a, they'll go to uh, some place where. <clears throat> Multiple people, multiple people have brought food and they'll find their favorite dish and then they'll invite that person over to their house to eat because they know that the more likely that that person is going to invite them back to their house and they get to eat more of the good food. Yeah. <laughs> it, nice. is, it is kind of a selfish. Yeah. <laughs> kind of or, or even more subtle to the fact that I invite them over to eat something really good with me because I know they'll they'll talk about how good it was what I prepared. Right. Exactly. And I'll get the praise. Yeah. And they might tell somebody else, et cetera. So it it has to be a selfless concern, and we really have to die out to that ego. And when we die out to that ego, I believe we'll be less and less prone to this fear of failure. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan in our chat room has uh, posted something. He says, all motivation is self-motivation. We don't do anything without a desire to cause, have, create, stop, prevent, uh, even in our helping one another or selfless act. Uh, the reason you do it is because you want to or are self-motivated. Um, it might be, let's see, it might be you you get joy for helping others or you felt led or that there is something, a reason inside you. I agree. I mean, obviously, I, I think self you can be selfless but still motivated by yourself. I mean, obviously, you're creating the action, which by definition is self-motivating. I, I think in the absolute sense, by de- definition, everything has to be self-motivation. But we also have to give credence to um, the law of human nature or the law of – or of uh, God's law of human nature that is built into us as a part of our creation. Yeah. Um, it goes beyond what – this could be interpreted – and I'm not saying that's, that's what he's, he's saying. This could be interpreted as kind of like the herd instinct. Where you're you're looking to, you you've got built into you the instinct to do the good of the herd, right. but the law of, of human nature built into us by God goes beyond the herd instinct. Right, and I, I think, like I said, by definition, everything would be obviously be self motivation, but there is something built into us because we are God's creation. So therefore, you have to take it back a step to God. To say that he is the source of the motivation, uh, of the motivation, or can mm. be, or should be. Mm. Yeah. Now, one of the other things I think that causes churches or or individuals to be afraid is their past failures and not dealing with them or seeing them appropriately in the right perspective. Meaning that, um, and of course, I've heard I've heard this statement <clears throat> way too many times. My Twitter messages <laughs> are going like crazy. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> but anyway. Was that you, DG? No. All right. I didn't do it. I promise. So it, <laughs> hey, Cliff, I'm in your pocket right now. <laughs> one, of the, one of the phrases I hear a lot uh, when it comes to, to dealing with this, these circumstances was, we've tried that before or something like it, and it went terrible. 
And right. we're not right. even going to begin to tell you what went wrong because it's just too long of a drawn out story. But no, we're we're just not interested. Thank you. Right. And there and and so if it if it looks like, smells like, sounds like, and has anything that could be closely related to a bad past experience. Sometimes they immediately shut down the communication lines, right? Which is a shame. I mean, and and I mean, I understand it. I mean, it, uh, there have been some very hurtful, painful things that have happened in individuals' lives and in the lives of our churches, right? And in the midst of of sure. of things, I mean, it, it's just the fact of life that people are have been hurt before. But one of the things I think is important is to understand. It's like, okay, we need to take this failure and see this. Not as a failure. We need to see it as an opportunity. Sure, we failed. We made some mistakes. But instead of saying, okay, let's forget about the fact that we even tried this because, you know what, that was so terrible. Instead, let's come back together and say, okay, let's shut this program down for now. Because, well, if we don't, this this is going to call – I mean, this is a cancerous tumor in our in our body right now. But let's talk about where – I mean, obviously, we were very excited at some point that we decided to actually launch this thing. Our intent was good, and and the thoughts, and and we had ideas. But where did it go wrong? Let's investigate. I mean, that, right, right. one of the things that I see, you don't. Here, here's what I didn't see. The, the, I, my heart and my prayers, my mind go out with all the families who lost people oh. in that flight. Was it 407 in Buffalo, New York? The plane <laughs> well, that went down. I'm not sure the number. Yeah, they did not ground all flights that day. You know, they they did not shut down. I mean, Colgan Air, I'm sure, has got planes in the sky today. In fact, I'm I I would be willing to bet that Dash Eight airplanes are still flying today, and in, in including in the same type of weather that they were. But what are they doing? They're they're taking that that tragic event, mm-hmm. and they event, they immediately dispatch a team to investigate. What happened here? Let's look at every step of the way. Let's look at all the logs. Let's look at all the indicators. What could have been done to avoid this, if anything? Or is this something that is just so flawed that we need to completely avoid it altogether? And so many times people have the opinion that we need to stay away from this at all costs without investigating whether or not there would have been a more appropriate way to handle circumstances. Well, I, mm. I used to work in research and development um, for several years. It's just about to say. And uh, when when we ran <laughs> experiments, the reality is over 90% of the experiments would have been, if you look at them on the absolute sense, considered a failure because they didn't produce the end result that we were trying to get to. Exactly. But the reality is you take the learnings from each of those experiments and you make you, you tweak something here and you make a little bit of an adjustment here, et cetera, until you finally get to the end product that you're looking for. So you you are constantly learning from what we would call our quote failures. Right. And and that's you have to do that. I mean maybe your execution was just a little bit off in, in how you applied it at the church. Maybe your motive was a little bit off. I mean, maybe yep. you had the best intent and best idea in the whole world, but your motive was off. And and so, therefore, selfishness got in the way or other things got in the way. Or, like I say, maybe it was uh, your 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 execution was just a little off in how you did it. Why right. not try it again? Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think that the church could benefit from an R&D department. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. That you know, should be a ministry within the church. Exactly, and, you know, and a lot of like the denomination lab coats. Yeah. I would love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's good. And, and like we would be a part of the technology aspect of the R and D department, and so. <laughs> but uh, and you got the taste testers tasting out different flavors of coffee for Sunday morning. How do you like? We'll test the Butter sermon before it's preached. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> I focus <laughs> groups. I like that one. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, what do you think about this grape juice? This yeah. is Welch's. I got this a great is... idea for the church. Smell-o-vision. That's good. <laughs> well, you know, uh, focus group. Oh, wait, wait. They already do that in the Catholic church with the incense. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> they have incense, yeah. I actually were talking, I was talking to a group of pastors the other day, and they said they, they intentionally bake the bread for communion during Sunday school or before church. So that the whole sanctuary is just filled with the smell of fresh baked bread. And he said, you know, people were just, they get hungry. A little bit of marketing going on. (laughs) Yeah, and he said, I actually make a little bit more bread than what I need because a lot of, there's some people that just grab big chunks of bread. (laughs) That is funny. (laughs) Because they're hungry for it. (laughs) But I think that there is a need for an R&D department in the church. I think that's, um, and and that the church realizes that their purpose is, and this is what this, this is the I really honestly believe the only reason that the waters the church that I'm doing is even remotely successful right now is because I sold it to everyone as basically being an experiment. People get the term experiment. They know, hey, you sure have to fail do. when you do experiments. You have to fail often to succeed sooner kind of a thing. And uh, there's a great 2020 episode and I can't remember the name of it, but if I can if I do find it I'll give it I'll send it to you guys, but <laughs> but it was basically there is a um, there's some company out there that 2020 went to, and their whole goal in life is to redesign basic things. And so they actually redesigned toothbrushes for people and sunglasses for Oakley, and um, you know I think they actually did the iPod for Apple. Yeah. I'm not sure, but but what what 2020 went to them and said is they they said we want you to redesign the grocery cart. And it showed the whole process of how they go about doing it and what they do and, and how they make it and how they build the mock-ups and all kinds of stuff. It was really, really cool. But it was so cool because the, that's where I got that phrase. Um, the guy said, we, we look at everyone and we say, our goal is to fail often to succeed sooner. Absolutely. And, and, and one of the things we have, to, we have to include and incorporate in here and get across in the mindset to people is that every person can participate in this discovery process. Right. Uh, Deming, who was a great efficiency and productivity expert back in the, the uh, late 40s and 50s and 60s, um, he, he used to tell us that if you want to know how to improve the, the way to check out groceries, then talk to the cashier. Don't talk to the store manager. Talk to the cashier. So we need to, we need to have people understand that you, everyone, can participate in this, this whole discovery process. There's so many things out there we could discover how to do as a people and as a church that if we would change that mindset and get people to understand that we mm-hmm. could be experimenting and we everybody could be participating wow what could we discover yeah that'd be cool i think that'd be so and that would be so much fun for a church i i, I could see people actually literally lighting up mm-hmm. yeah getting to dream with god getting to experiment and getting to taste and and you know do things you know funky and different and making mistakes and I think that's that is an atmosphere that I long for, honestly. Absolutely, it really is. I have I have uh, an additional thought. I think that just came to my mind that I'd love to share with you, and it is that another reason why churches are so unresponsive to new ideas is because they're that everybody within the church that does anything as far as leadership or participating in volunteer work, they're all overburdened. They're, they're already maxed out in their energy mm. and effort and time devoted to whatever it is that the church has them doing. Mm. And I would love to suggest to you that I have what I feel is is, is an uh, appropriate response or at least a possible response, um, and that is to 
um, w- w- let, let me talk about program-based churches, churches that say, you know, we have a we have a Sunday school class, but then we also have men's groups that meet during the week. We have women's groups that meet during the week. And all, by the way, we have a singles ministry. We also have an, a senior adult ministry. We have this ministry. We have that ministry. So if you're an old if you're an old single guy on Sunday morning, on Sunday morning, you got four different groups you could be in. Exactly, or <laughs> or chances are in in most churches, it's that puts you at church Sunday morning, uh, then a little bit more on Sunday morning, and then Saturdays, Fridays, and Wednesdays. Yeah. So you know, or one or the other. And right. if you, goodness, who knows if you play on a softball team, you got another night. Exactly. <laughs> so so what what I've one of the things that I've witnessed within the church all these years is that. People have these ideas for great ministries, and guess what? They get started. It does right. happen. It sure. does happen. Sure. And what I'm going to give you a perfect example of this. There was this ministry at a, at a, a different church that I was a part of, and somebody you talked about random acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. They decided that once a month, wouldn't it be awesome? So, or one individual really got inspired by Steve Shogren's mm-hmm. uh, random acts of kindness, conspiracy of kindness book. So they went out and they said every Saturday. Myself and I'm going to try to volunteer and get a, or get a couple people to volunteer with me. We're just going to go out on behalf of the church and just do random acts of kindness. And all of a sudden, they said, "You know, this was great. We did it as a couple individuals. We'd love the church to really mention this and support this as a ministry. If you guys could just tell other people in your groups, that's all they were asking. That's all the support they were asking for. But what happened was it be- it did become successful. We had about 110 people one weekend come and and cleaning people's toilets and and doing all kinds of other stuff and just random acts of kindness with no strings attached. And then what happened was the person who started that who became the visionary for that and the one who really drove the start of that got called away to another state Mm -hmm. okay whether it be work family whatever and then all of a sudden the search began and you if you guys already know you probably see where i'm heading the train wreck that's about ready to happen absolutely the train wreck is when the person who started it and had the vision for it and the passion for it leaves what happens in so many churches is these programs all of a sudden have a void to fill and rather than right. letting a program die, they sure. continue to keep that train running. It's like there's we have been doing this for the last eighteen months. We have sixty five people a week showing up, and by golly, we cannot let this go because this is a this something God is doing something here, and right. we can there's no right. way we can let this fail. But is it not possible that a ministry has a time frame mm-hmm. where it's supposed to have a beginning and supposed to have an end? I mean, you look in the scripture and you see where Jesus fed the multitudes. And when he had all that success, I mean, the thousands came out and he fed the multitudes and he had the the leftovers. What the church would have done then is said, okay, we need to do this every Saturday. This needs to be an every Saturday ministry. We're going to show up here and we want you people not to bring any food. We want one child to bring in a few loaves and fishes. And that's going to be the program that we're going to put together. And Jesus is going to bless it. And we're going to have a bunch of leftovers. And then what we do with the leftovers, we're going to take them down and and put them in the soup kitchen ministry. Right. I mean, that's how we would have treated that because we would have thought that once it succeeds, it has to continue on ad infinitum. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah. Maybe it has a time period where it Mm. serves a purpose. 
and then God chooses for it to for us to move on to something else. Right. right. And and what I what I saw happen in this circumstance after months, they finally had you know they were dealing with just volunteers just randomly leading it. What turned out to be sixty five people eventually turned into twenty five people. Finally, when it had whittled down to about eight people, somebody finally was guilted into the position. And ended up, they were already stretched too far. And, of course, they're now leading this ministry and nobody's there. They're depressed. You know, yeah. they're, they, matter of fact, the person who was, uh, who was, uh, who finally was guilted into that position now no longer attends anything other than Sunday morning. They, they will not participate. They, were, they became so burned out. Mm. In all the things that they had been, quote unquote, guilted into leading because nobody was there to lead, that they right. finally just got burned out of serving. And so my suggestion is that if maybe one of the responses to the church, to the reason why people are negative towards it, like, you don't understand, we're doing too much already. Mm. It's like, why don't you do this? And this is a question. I'd love somebody to ask me this question right now. As, as, a, as a member of right, this yeah. church, <laughs> as a member of this church, you are involved in this ministry and this ministry, and you do this, this, and this. Is that if there was if there were one thing that is that is something that you do that you have absolutely no passion for, and you have no desire to do it, and it becomes a burden to you on a regular basis, what would that be? And you need to ask people. I think you should ask people that mm-hmm. because you know what? I guarantee I have an answer right now. I won't share it in this podcast, but I have an I have an answer for that, and I've actually reported it to to the appropriate people, uh, but I haven't got a good response back yet. But the thing is, is <laughs> oh, you that mean in your local church, in my local, oh, okay, okay. in my local church. But the thing is, is that I have no doubt that this thing that I despise to do, I have no doubt that there are people who are passionate and would love to do that on a regular basis. But there are ideas that I have that would use my gifts and talents and abilities in an area that I'm extremely passionate about that I do not step forward because I'm, I'm too bogged down by this one obligation over here. I just can't over – I can't over – uh, commit myself to all these different things. Right. Well, yeah. and, and what we're, we've been describing is filling slots. We're yeah. talking about filling slots. We, we take it for, we assume that every church, if you start a church, you have to have a men's ministries. If you start a church, you have to have a nursery and people to run it. Why don't we ever ask the question, why? Yeah. <laughs> why do I have to have, I mean, fill in the blank, why? And we might find out that we don't need some of the things we thought we needed, which can free up people to follow their passion that maybe God has called them to do rather than than the local organization calling them to do. Right. Yeah, and, and sometimes we're, you know, in personal development, sometimes I, I've been reading and come across this phrase that anytime you say yes to something, you need to say no to something else. And sometimes... I think that that's the philosophy in the research and, and development sure. department. Maybe that's something they need to – it's like, okay, we're, we're going to give this one a green light, but that means that we're going to need some resources here, and, and we may have to shut something down. Right, and I, th- and I think that's, the, that's a needed aspect of whatever the R&D department is, is to be able to have those people that are sensitive enough to God's leading to be able to say, okay, you know, that was for the time – and now let's move on to something else or something else like that. I mean, and that's, you know, those are always, those are always hard things, but those are prophets. You know, those, those are people that are being able to, to listen to God and, and sense the direction that God is wanting mm-hmm. and desiring the church to go and, and to kind of uh, help push that direction. Awesome. So, yeah, it's, I think it's definitely needed that you have some form of sensibility uh, to the spirits leading. But here's the, here's the question is, is 
as you're making these R&D departments, as you're saying all these things like we got to fill up to succeed sooner, uh, are you creating an environment where we are always constantly taking a step back and, and assessing what's going on with God <laughs> and being sensitive to wherever God wants us to go and God, what God wants us to do, and then we get back into the experimentation. Uh, and that, that's a huge needed aspect to any, any R&D department. Is to be able to have now a lot of the R and D department people that are doing the experimenting they hate those people. Absolutely, <laughs> we're talking about it. This is we're going the right direction. We're about to get it. We're about to get it. Nope, we're killing it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, so that could that could cause some <laughs> cause some head banging going on there. And I'm not talking rock concert head banging. Yeah. yeah. What do you do about the? I mean, obviously, we're talking sometimes some very small churches with an R and D department. And these people are already struggling just to. I mean to get people to do anything and they're already involved in so many meetings when i hear okay well we constantly need to come back and evaluate who evaluates that i mean let's talk about i mean obviously i'm just throwing that out there in in my opinion i think it needs to be a community that evaluates it that's all of them can be able to have a little bit of a sensitivity to the lord I'll tell you what. So the, I don't sure I, if I don't know any names, specific names or yeah. something, but it definitely has to be a community instead of just one person calling all the shots. Because here's here's the thing: I've been in a lot of meetings, and, and 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 if you, it depends on who you invite to these meetings. Sometimes these meetings can get a, a, a little long sometimes, and then at other times, um, and, and and again, this this goes back to leading why some people are afraid. And it's like, oh, my gosh, not only do we have to step out, not only do we have to figure out how to do this, not only do we possibly need to, okay, ask the hard question of what else do we need to give up because this is more important. But now we have to go through the time and energy of not only doing it, but evaluating it and coming back and having meetings and talking about it. And then how do we host these meetings? And maybe that's a whole other discussion for another time is how to lead an effective meeting where you can evaluate and talk about what's going on within the church because town hall meetings, I tell you, are not the no, best. No, 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 no. Town hall meeting is not good. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of like, uh, I always love it whenever I go to church and the, the church has decided that they need a new mission statement or a vision statement. That is the most grueling. I, I, I literally do not ever want to go to those meetings. I want to go in and say, great commission, great commandment, let's go. <laughs> but no, we're like, where, where, should we put the or thou in this sentence? Is it is it easily memorizable? I mean, it's just, it goes on and on. And we and typically, on. typically end up creating a mission statement that when we read it, no one understands what exactly. it means. It's so general. And <laughs> but it sounds really nice. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's that, that's my favorite thing that I've ever read was a book called Simple Church. We talked about that I think last week, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just like listen, love God, love people, and serve the world. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> mission. Yeah, There's the mission, mission statement mission accomplished. Yep. <laughs> but I do think it's important, I, and I would challenge everyone that listens to this, and I'm challenging myself as well. You know, are you going back to your churches, and are you encouraging them to fail often to succeed sooner? Are you helping to create an atmosphere where it is exciting to be able to dream with God and to be able to make mistakes with God, um, you know, and even and even making mistakes for God? <laughs> I mean, we should say for God, not with God. Here's, um, but I think that's important. I think it's very, very important. Here's something else that I want to say is that I think probably our audience is uh, somewhat in the same realm as us with this culture and this this uh, area that we're in, I, I believe that we overall have become kind of cynical 
in our view of how we approach the church. And many people, obviously, the George Barna book, Revolution, talks about an entire group of people who have abandoned the local church mm-hmm. completely and are trying to do their form of Christianity without any involvement in the local church. And Well, I don't know if he says that exactly, but okay. <laughs> that's a big general statement you made, but that's cool. It was. <laughs> well, there. anyway, regardless, I think there is a, there's a group of people who – sit in if they go to church they sit there and they criticize everything they see going on mm-hmm. and if they are in an, if they're ever involved in any conversation within the church it's always critical of this 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 and and I'll I'll admit that I'm one of those people that sometimes can jump into that box real easily and and that but the the thing that God's always pressing on my heart and what I want to press on people's hearts here is exactly what you said you know it's it's like are you being that person but the thing is is first of all Let's get over our critical attitudes. Mm. You know, mm. you're, if you're going to go into your church and say, okay, this church, my church here, my home church, it's completely broken. And I am going to be the knight in riding armor that's going to come in and save this thing. I tell you, that's just not going to happen. You know, the one thing we have to understand is that the people who are in our church, regardless of how much we disagree with some of the stuff we've heard, seen, and witnessed, or even experienced in the past – we are dealing with well-meaning people on, on the most part. I mean, a majority of these people are just well-meaning. They love you. They love other people. They're pouring their lives into something that they really believe in. And sure, they may have made mistakes, but we got to understand, we need to step up and say, you know what? I've made mistakes too. Let's come together and let's really encourage one another, spur one another on to good works, and really bring some positive energy into our churches. Absolutely. And I, and I think criticism quite often is the path of least resistance. <laughs> it's a whole lot easier to criticize somebody than it is to do this encouraging and spurring one, on, one another on to good works. And, and we need to to make that extra effort to encourage people, you, whether you agree with their idea or not, you never know. They, they might actually know more than you. Yeah, and, and, and there is a place for critical thinking, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, that's, that's got to be a part of the R&D department. I mean, mm-hmm. like my father, who's a, um, he's a retired judge, but, I mean, he's, he's a typical lawyer. He thinks everything completely through logically. And so, <laughs> so he, a lot of times he will actually stop everyone and say, wait a second. Have we thought through this part? And they're not necessarily just criticizing to criticize. They really are trying to be beneficial and helpful. But there are some people, that's just their personality, and that's what I put in the chat room. I mean, some people's personality are just critical to begin with. Mm-hmm. They, they just wear hater pants every day. Yes. And, and so you, you know, what are we doing to love them and to, and to help them to be able to say, you know, to see, to, hey, let's dream together with this. Instead of, you know, it's, it's the perfect example of that is every brainstorming session I've ever been a part of. If we really say that we're going to brainstorm, then there are no bad ideas. But inevitably, inevitably, even if they're not, even if it's not a part of their personality, someone will throw up an idea and then someone will criticize it. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, 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 we're not to the criticizing part. We, you know, I have to like stop that part and say, no, 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 every idea is going to be a perfect idea right now. <laughs> we want, you know, and it's just so hard for human beings. You know, I right. think this is just part of what we. But going back to the very, very first thing that we talked about, the TED conference thing, I wonder if it's, if it's our schooling. I wonder if, if our schooling has set us up with saying, and this is, what he, this is what his thesis was in his talk, that we're killing creativity because we're saying, you know, we're only giving this exact expected answer and you have to get this. And we're not encouraging some form of creativity. We're not encouraging people, to, you know, to, to uh, write their own stories and you know and things like that we're just reading a story and then and then 
you know, disseminated out the information that we read in the story kind of a thing instead of saying, hey, let's create our own story. Well, why did that person create that? Now, let's let's let you have a chance to make a mistake. And instead, it has to be just like, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. you know, whoever, well, whatever poem exactly. authored, you know, wrote. And, and, We've and forgotten the creativity aspect. Throughout history, I mean, historically, we've had that kind of a mindset and approach toward people who have been creative. Some of the greatest thinkers of all times have been challenged early on. People like Newton, uh, Einstein, uh, Galileo, they were, they were challenged by the current system. Right. And, and that's, that's been our history. Right, exactly. Yeah, and they, when they start saying that, hey, maybe the, maybe the Earth is not the center of the universe – yeah. Woo! Look out! Go you're, figure. You're gonna you're gonna have some life changes in prison cells <laughs> and things like that. <laughs> so so here's here's one thing I would love to suggest that a church try, and that is to have a Google Labs for your church. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with Google Labs? Absolutely. Keith, tell us Google Labs. What is Google Labs? Well, I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because I was going to mention that that is one of the key successes to Google is what we're talking about here today is that. They have that mentality that says that we're going to try to reinvent or do things that people said were impossible or that people said were improbable, and they have put funding after funding into the the research and the development, et cetera, that goes into um, how to develop things. And and they've even made it a a public feedback uh, component of it as well. Uh, Google is is doing some incredible things in their research development. As a matter of fact, my son was just uh, in California not too long ago and, and got to visit the headquarters of Google, and they, they talked about uh, some of the incredible new things that they're coming up with, or, the, or at least trying to. And the other aspect of Google Labs is that a majority of the projects that are being worked on were not something that are a part of the program or a part of the the current structure of Google. In fact, there are, there are several hours a day or at least several hours a week that Google employees say, listen, you're on the clock, but we want you to put down everything we've given you, mm-hmm. and we want you to spend a certain number of hours every week on a project that you're passionate about. Absolutely. And that's how some of these services are born is just an idea of some employees. Like, wouldn't it be great if right, – and right. they are encouraged and paid and, and resources given and, and exposure given Absolutely. to that person's idea and says, here, you run with it. Right. right. And, and what I'd love to see a church have is a, is a Google Labs approach to, to the ministry and to the congregation. It's like, listen, we are not going to – we're, we're going to commit for the next six months. We're not starting any new programs in this church. But and, and in fact, and if you're in a program and, and, and you need to hop out for, for a couple hours and you need to step back and we need to scale back some programs that are in existence, we'll scale them back a little bit because we now want to encourage each of you to devote maybe five hours a month to one project, one ministry right. that you are passionate about. It does not have to be an official ministry of this church it doesn't have to be an official program of this church just something that just drives you and maybe maybe you love to cook a big 15 gallon pot of chili you know and and you take it down to the down to the street corner Mm, in Covington and and you you hand it out to people and you just do that maybe you invite a couple friends to come do it with you that does not have to become a ministry of this church you just do it and you come back and talk about the experience and maybe you sure. make clothes and you, you like to sew things and stuff like that. And you, you go and make clothes for people and you teach other people how to sew. or You do sewing classes and that's your ministry and that's something you do and it's how you're helping people. And it's just things like that. I would love to see a church that would just say, what is it that what – is, what is your talent? 
Mm-hmm. What what gifts do you have? And, and how can you do that to build relationships in our community and to serve our community? Now go and do it, and we'll give you exposure. Now we're not going to suggest everybody t- join you. You have to do your own recruitment, right? You know, and and you have to you have to get this thing going. But right, but we're definitely going to be here to encourage you, right? To sub to support you in 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 helping you with ideas and and ways to get around certain aspects that maybe like roadblocks if you if you need sure. some help through that. But let us support you and encourage you in the process of what God's calling you to do. And man, that takes that wow. takes God out of a box. I, I think know? that's a great idea. And, and you take that, and you you, you got to have the component that, that DG spoke of earlier, <laughs> and that is you got to have some people who you believe are really uh, sensitive to the, the Holy Spirit sure. that can provide some direction, provide some some limits, etc. Um, as a matter of fact, I mentioned my son went out to to uh, California. They're actually doing that in his business as well. Um, and people will come up with ideas, projects, and they'll come in, and the leadership of his company will say, yes, we think this is a great thing. Go with it. Right. Um, and we could do the same thing in the church. Yep. And I think it would 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 potentially spawn some incredible things in the church and exciting yeah. times, and people would feel like they're a part of it. Right. And my big, my, my big dream right now, actually, um, if anyone wants to throw money at this, <laughs> then please let it be. Um, we actually have uh, – there's a – there's an organization called Leadership Nexus, and Leadership Nexus uh, does a, a basically conferences all over the U.S. and they've actually come to Northern Kentucky um, because they're actually seriously considering talking about um, a, 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 a doing a conference here in Northern Kentucky slash Cincinnati area. And um, and the previous one that they that they put on in Denver that I actually helped speak at was called the Emerging Church for the Existing Church. Um, and it really was just a uh, just a time, and of course they brought in all the emergent people. So they brought in Doug Pageant and Tony Jones, and and but they but the cool thing about it was is they found a super uh, conservative seminary and they found a super liberal sermon, a seminary to actually support it. And so the group of people that came to this <laughs> were just oil and water groups of people. But it was really cool because they were having conversations. And so, uh, what what their what their idea for this um, for this event would be is just to be able to, to provide a place for existing churches. Whether you know you can be a you know two year old church or whatever else, but they're probably primarily focusing on you know denominations and understandings. Um, but bringing in people that would force them to be able to think differently and 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 to look at things differently and and to basically, hey, how how do we uh, address the changing church and the changing culture that we live in, uh, because if we're doing the same thing and, and expecting different expect, you know, expecting different results, then that's the definition of insanity idea. So anyway, so I think it's really really cool um, that that they're coming and want to do that. And now I'm trying to sell them on the idea of creating a Christian TED conference, you- and that's exactly what I hear you saying. Is and I think that's what Ted's doing. Ted is basically finding all these people that are on the far cutting edge of multiple different areas, you know, technology and entertainment and design and science and stuff like that, and they're bringing them all together and giving them eighteen minutes to be able to present something to this group of people. The problem is, like, there is something like this. It's called the Q Talks, and if you go to QIdeas.org, uh, you can see what I'm talking about. Is They're the, trying to is that do the this? letter Q. Yeah, literally the letter Q. Okay, <laughs> QIdeas.com. Um, and uh, org. and what they're they're trying to do this, but they're also expecting everyone that comes to it to pay like an eight hundred dollar ticket fee, which is just f- ridiculous. You gotta be kidding me! Right. Like I want to be able to bring in 
people from City Heights, you know, a super low income area of town, and get them dreaming. <laughs> well, see, the, and here's and I would what, love to be able to have a conference wow, that, that, you know, that people could be able to dream like this. You, this you're, so, you're talking so cool. about what the business world calls a business incubator. Right. You could have a church incubator. Exactly. Wouldn't that be awesome? Oh, that would be so cool. I think, I mean, I'm passionate oh. about this. I want to see it. Happen. That would be so cool. A church incubator. Where you where you work off of each other's ideas, and man, who knows where it goes at that point? Yeah, very very cool. Well, folks, I, I tell you what, we sure did open a can of worms with uh, this topic. It sounds almost as though we came here today specifically designing this conversation exactly as we've shared it, which I love it. I mean, yeah. it, it just shows that that maybe God has inspired us to uh, come together and just generally speak about the church sometimes and. And, and for those of you listening, you may not rec- recognize this or realize this uh, unless we mention it all the time. But but most of the time, we, we hit the record button and we're introducing ourselves. And at that moment in time when we say, hey, welcome back to another episode, we have no clue what we're going to talk about. And so today is all well, about... Well, I did a little bit because I said, hey, do you have any main topics? Because I've got something in my head I want to get out. <laughs> exactly. But it wasn't like well thought out. We had no we had no clue. Nothing. Keith and I had no idea great. what it was. So we're, we encourage you to have these kind of conversations in your weekly life uh, with some other fellow believers in Christ. Of course, uh, we want to remind you, uh, anonymous sponsor once again says, hey, why don't you go out there and... Take a church that's in your area and pray for them, a church that's not your own. Remember them in prayer. In fact, why don't you go out to lunch with somebody from that church and, and, and just have a conversation? Nothing nothing big, just just have a conversation. That's that's really what we in churches need to do more often, I think. Yep. Uh, we, we do an awful lot of looking at each other and, and measuring ourselves up to what other people are wearing or saying or doing and what they're driving and all that other stuff. Let's let's have more conversations with one another, and uh, it's it's amazing stuff. And we encourage you to take uh, any insights that you have here, share it with other people. In fact, if you want to be able to share this episode, um, it's episode sixty nine of About the Church. And if you don't want to have them go to gspn.tv and then Faith Podcast, just it's atcpodcast.com About cool. the Church Podcast, atcpodcast.com. Of course, you can call us and leave us feedback vo- via voicemail. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at area code 859-795-4067. You can also email us feedback at gspn.tv. What you got there, DG? I'm just going to say, please become a Plus member. That would be great. Tell them what Plus membership is. Plus membership allows you to be able to have all kinds of uh, fun, cool stuff on the forums, uh, but it also allows you to be able to download uh, the, the podcast episodes that might not go out to the general feed for everybody and allows you to be able to hear some extra podcasts. And that's the entire network. I mean, if you enjoy Lost or Desperate Housewives, it's not just uh, the About the Church podcast. It's all the podcasts in the network. So, Absolutely. Um, and I'm... Don't Looking to hear real quick, and it looks like February 11th we did get a voicemail, so I should probably oh. like play that real quick since I'm asking and soliciting <laughs> these things, right? <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. Oh, wait. This is Wayne Henderson. I just wanted to call because I've got a whole bunch of new GSPN.TV plus podcasts, uh, picking out my favorites and listening to those. And I just wanted to call and say, plus membership rock. All right. There you go. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome stuff. We do want to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear you talk about some of the topics we have going on here. Again, that's feedback at gspn.tv. We'll talk to you next week and uh, join the community. Bye, everybody. Bye now.